0: Good afternoon. And welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, broadcasting from the Nebraska State Fair, where, uh, by the way, they're loading in cattle. Getting ready for the open class cattle show that'll start later this week. A variety of different things that we're going to look at on the trade today. <laughs> You know, you might joke about this and get a chuckle when I say this, but there has been some proof in the pudding on this one, the full moon. How is that affecting the market trade? We did definitely see some higher grains today, and wheat was the big leader with some strong trades. And then yesterday's crop progress report that came out as well. We are talking today with Sue Martins, who is is Ag and Investment out of Clary in Iowa. And let's talk about that, because there's a lot of folks that do watch that. It's the same with the uh, the old fog and the weather days. Uh, full moon, <laughs> saw some higher numbers. We got that coming up. How is that all tied into the market trade?
1: Well, sometimes you'll get into a rhythm and, um, you know, the magnetic fields change and just like your tides change in a full moon and a new moon, the uh, markets will get in a rhythm and um uh, we've been noticing the markets have been trying to rally into the uh, full moon. So I think that's kind of what we're looking at here is a market that's uh, not because, so to speak, of the full moon. But, um, for example, wheat today uh, certainly took charge and rallied nicely. And that's a market that has been pushing, uh, broke out of a uh, downward channel and is pushing out the upside um, there was talk of China buying hard red winter wheat out of the Pacific Northwest. And so when you look at the vessel lineup in the Pacific Northwest, west I couldn't say that, uh, there's five boats that are ready to load wheat and they are uh, labeled as heading to Asia. Uh, there's, of course, some other wheat cargoes designated to go to South Korea as well. So. Um, that's one thing that was supporting the market. And then also, I think the funds, uh, they're still, as of last Friday's report, commitment of traders report, they were still, uh, indicated to be short 20,000 contracts, um, based at Chicago. And so I think we're hearing of some money starting to flow into the inflation allocations. And I think that, uh, being the first of the month, you're hearing new fund buying coming in and so i think that was sending the market higher also uh, russian freight on board values were up seven dollars a metric ton over the past 30 days and uh Black Sea uh futures are putting in new highs um coming into today, so I think all of that combined is what underpinned the wheat market and shoved it higher. Well, I've heard
0: that there's been some struggles weather wise up you know in the in the spring wheat that's caused for some big delays in in the harvest, and that's causing some concerns as well in the market.
1: It is, and in fact, now that you bring that up um going forward, you know as we go into La Nina. Um, it's thought that we could be seeing some pretty dry weather, uh, like in Kansas, the hard red winter wheat areas, and if that be the case, you know, we could be looking at a very slow start for the new crop going in, uh, usually as we start to get into October. So the planting of the hard red winter wheat may not go as, as timely and as smoothly as we would like it to looking at the
0: I saw that China was back in the marketplace once again to make some purchases. I saw they made a nice size substantial purchase of corn.
1: Well, they did. Uh you know, on Monday they bought about 596,000 metric tons and again today they bought another 596,000 metric tons of corn for 2020-2021 shipment. So that has been impressive. Now did it do much for the market? Not really. Corn, I think, was paying more attention to the fact that uh, there's an attitude that, you know, corn isn't going to be helped much by any rain, so to speak. And so the yields are what they are, but they don't think that the yields will de- deteriorate a whole lot more. Well, the crop condition ratings coming out down 2%. I think the trade was a little bit disappointed in that number. I think they had anticipated more. But then we look at December corn and on a wave count price projection, uh, 364 and a quarter was our, uh, wave one. And usually you'll go right for those and then you'll get a little hesitation as you set up to go to wave two. Wave two is 380 and a half basis December corn. So I would not put that past that we could do something like that.
0: We had the the corn condition ratings that came out yesterday, and I see that roughly, what, 12% of the corn is mature. Um, Iowa and Nebraska, I think, was 11%, so not very far behind the national average. And, And some say that's catching them by surprise that the crop is that far advanced.
1: Well, I think it speaks to all the heat that we've had you know these 90 degree plus days you know doesn't matter I'm told that when it gets over 90 degrees it doesn't matter if you're 90 or 95 or 97 um, it's hot and um, these 90 degree days with warmer temperatures at night um, 70 degrees or higher um, certainly was pushing that crop ahead and pushing it ahead pretty quickly
0: uh, soybeans what are your thoughts there with where they're at progress wise
1: well you know there was the surprise and of course um beans got, you know, they were taking some of the moisture out, and that helped shove us up to 9.66 and three quarters overnight on Sunday night into Monday. Then the crop condition rating came out, and traders were thinking 3 to 4% uh, reduction, and it came out at, I think they were dialing in a 4 maybe a little more. It came out at 3% reduction on soybeans, and I think they felt that was just a disappointment. So the market fell 24 cents off of that high from the high of Monday into uh, through the night of Tuesday, you know, Monday night, Tuesday morning. And that was a pretty good little setback very quickly from a high. So then now today we tried to bring ourselves back up and we did close higher um, at the end of the day about a penny and a quarter according to pitch rate. But we noticed the electronic on the um, uh, Globex was kinda of being a little more weaker than that. So we're wondering if we aren't gonna see a lower opening here on Wednesday.
0: All right, well stick around folks. More's coming up. It's the Fontanel final belt on the World Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontanelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue looking at the markets, we're going to focus a little bit on the grain side yet before we switch over to the livestock. And during the commercial break, as by the way, Sue Martin is joining me again with Ag and Investment. We were talking about uh, the harvest, subsoil moisture, all the things that are factoring in. And you really made an interesting point that right now I think they're just waiting to find out. Let's get some proof as to really where we are on these harvest numbers, even with a looming USDA report coming up.
1: It'll be when those combines hit. I think you're right, Susan. Um, You know, with this report coming out here on the 11th, um, you know, the September reports are always important anyway, but um, this one's going to be important, kind of like similar to the year of 2010, where all of a sudden, you know, the um, uh, pro-farmer tour was going out and they thought the crop just looked really great and had great potential. And all of a sudden, it just went south. And from there into the report in September, and again in October, the yields dropped uh, via WASD NAS. And I think that um, we know, we're pretty sure the yields are gonna come down in this one. Um, it's a matter of will NAS surprise us and drop more? Because remember, they added a lot of bushels on here in the August report. So will they take all those bushels back or will they only take a portion of them? And uh, so that's part of what's, uh, you know, going to be on the radar here as we go through the next week. Also, you know, it doesn't sound like there's much rain in the forecast this week. Uh, next week, the eastern Corn belt's supposed to catch some rain, but we'll see how much. Um, I read an interesting article on uh, Monday saying talking about the fact that all these fires out in uh, California, have basically been pulling moisture out of the air, and that that's why the Western Corn Belt is missing so much of this rain.
0: It definitely is going to add for some stress for these producers. And I was reading earlier, and it kind of follows with the corn as we look at the livestock side, the bearish feel that we've had with the corn, could that be a boost for this
1: cattle market? I think so. Um, one thing I will say for the cattle market Livestock producers have had cheap corn for a long time, and this may be changing. That tide may be turning the corner and starting to change a little bit. You know, um, we could be seeing this uh, stocks to usage ratio uh, dropping back, and of course, uh, if it stays around 12.6%, I think right now we're looking around 16 or so. Uh, the 10-year average is actually around um, gosh, I want to say it's around 10%, little over 10%. So even at 12 something, uh, we're still pretty abundant over that. But the key is we're making a change. We're shifting. And if you look at mother nature, what she's doing around the world, even in the wheat crops, she's whittling them down little by little. She's getting them whittled down. You look at Australia and there, I'd say at least a fifth of that crop, maybe more, is struggling again with dryness you look at argentina and a good fifty percent plus is in dry area for the wheat well wheat and corn interchange and so i think the livestock producers need to be really having their radar up because um i think their feed cost is something that this next year their feed costs could start to get out of hand on them and it's interesting i You know, I went and did a study on years when we have um, the corn market put highs in on January, you know. And I I looked at every year from 1969 forward to current. And um, so far this year, our high for December corn is January 2nd at 404 and three quarters. It was interesting, out of the last 50 years, we've only had four years where we did not exceed the January high. And you know it, what was interesting out of that was, of course, your June July period was one, but it was um, your highs tended to be September. I think there were four out of those years that we um, uh, made higher highs. September did it, and then there were seven years that it was November December, one year in October, and I thought that what was interesting about that study is that uh, the year? four years that we did not take out the january high were pretty bearish years and those years were uh, 1985-86 that's when agriculture was in a horrible recession Uh, the rest of the country wasn't but we were and then the next one was 2001 and I believe you were coming back, just moving into uh, getting out of all the currency debacle around the world out of 1998, 99, and then starting to move up. Um, then the last one was 2013. So I think that what's interesting is these are, are years that it's not common. And we have yet to take out the high of, of January, but you look at, Outside range months are becoming pretty sexy amongst various commodities. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Well, our number is 1-800-527-0051. And you all have a great day. Thanks so much, Sue Martin, joining us today.
0: Just a reminder that commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss and are not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the World Radio Network.